If you have your Bibles, go with me to Matthew chapter 1. We're also going to be in James chapter 1. Uh, for Joseph, things were really starting to come together in his life. All the plans that he had envisioned, the script that he had laid out for his life, it was all really starting to come to fruition. His career was doing well. He was a carpenter, very similar to our modern-day contractor, a builder, if you will. He was the town carpenter there in Nazareth, and people would go to him for their construction needs, and he had become engaged to a beautiful, uh, wonderful young lady by the name of Mary, and he was looking forward to his life with her. He was planning a wedding, so I'm sure Joseph was busy just like all grooms, uh, planning the honeymoon and buying airline tickets to some exotic location and going and getting fitted for tuxes and he was probably working out five times a week to make sure that his physique was good at the wedding day and uh, going through the teeth whitening process that all grooms go through these days. And so, you know, Joseph was getting ready for that big day. He was looking forward to life with his bride. He was looking forward to perhaps one day starting a family. And then suddenly, Joseph's world came crushing down around him. In Matthew chapter 1 and Verse 18, the Bible says, The birth of Jesus came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Have you ever had a time in your life where your world just came crashing down around you? Where all your plans just fell down on top of you? Stacy and I will never forget the first half of September in 2001. During a two-week period of time, we had doctors tell us that it was unlikely that we would ever have a biological family of our own. Thankfully, the doctors were wrong, but we had to receive that news, and that was a difficult uh, bit of news to receive. And then we found out that Stacy's mother had been diagnosed with breast cancer and that she was going to have to go through a battle with breast cancer. Then, of course, we had September 11th, 2001, when the World Trade Centers were hit and the nation went through that great tragedy of being attacked. And then right after that, my father was rushed into emergency triple bypass surgery on his heart because he was about to have a massive heart attack. And so all of this hit us within a two-week period of time, and I remember feeling like the world was just crashing down around me. How about you? Do you remember how you felt when you got that diagnosis? Do you remember how you felt whenever you got word that you had been laid off? When that marriage came to an end? How did you feel whenever that loved one breathed his or her last breath? That moment when the world around you just seemed to be crashing down. That's how Joseph felt. That pain, that numbness, that what am I going to do? This was not what Joseph had signed up for. He had signed up for a quiet little wedding out in the country in Nazareth. Got marrying a beautiful young woman that he probably had known for all of her life. He was looking forward to a quiet life as a carpenter. And suddenly his world came crashing down around him. 
Well, the scriptures continue in verse 19. The Bible says, So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. Now, Jewish betrothal uh, is a little different than modern engagement in our our country. So you have to know a little bit about uh, the timeline there in order to really understand the story completely. What would happen is the families would come to an agreement that a man and a young woman, usually the man was uh, older and more established in his career and the young woman was often a, a teenager, that the man and the young woman would come together in marriage. And so the families would come to this agreement, and then there would be a public declaration of this. And so there would be an exchanging of vows publicly so that the town, the community knew that these two had been engaged to be married. Then there was actually a separation period, a betrothal period, where they would spiritually ready themselves for the marriage relationship, and they would also economically ready themselves for the relationship. And frequently, the husband would even build a dwelling for the couple during that betrothal period. Joseph being a carpenter, that's probably what he was about doing. He was getting the room, getting the house ready for uh, Mary and, and for their life together. And then once the families determined that they were ready to take that next step, then the couple would come together and they would physically consummate the marriage. The Bible says that Joseph was a righteous man. He was a man of integrity. He was a good man. I believe that he had a genuine love for Mary. In this culture, if a young woman were to conceive a child outside of wedlock, and particularly during this betrothal period, it was a disgrace. There was a stigma. In fact, it could be considered a crime within the village. And so Joseph had compassion on Mary. Even though he must have felt hurt, he must have felt betrayed, the Scriptures say that he did not want to ruin her reputation. He did not want to disgrace her publicly. And so he once again comes up with a plan. His plan is that he will divorce her. He will end the engagement and he will send her away from Nazareth so he can basically communicate to the townspeople, well, it didn't work out. And Mary can have the child and perhaps even build her life away from the small town of Nazareth. The story continues in verse 20. But after he had considered these things, so that word considered, it it means that he was dwelling on these. He was making plans. He had thought through the matter. After he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife, because what she has conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now let's think for a moment about all that had happened to this poor guy. First of all, his bride comes to him and tells him, I'm pregnant. And he knew he was not the father of the child. So he's dealing with this. He's dealing with the social stigma that goes along with this, and what should I do, what should I not do? Then the Lord reveals to him that his 
bride is pregnant and that the Holy Spirit is the Father. Now, that's also a hard pill to accept. I mean, think about this for a second. How would you feel, how would you deal with it if you found out that your wife was going to give birth to the Son of God? You know, we sing about it. It's kind of commonplace for us. But to Joseph, that was a huge bit of news to digest. I'm going to be the stepfather to the Son of God? Whoa. All right, that's not what I signed up for. Then Caesar, who is the emperor of Rome, he declares that everybody has to go to their hometown to be taxed, a census tax. And so everybody's going to have to go on a road trip to their hometown. So he comes into Mary, who by this time is great with child, and he says, Mary, we're going on a road trip. We have to go to Bethlehem to pay our taxes, and I've rented the best donkey they had at Hertz. So hop on. Here we go. Ladies, do you remember when you were eight months pregnant, nine months pregnant, those of you that have had children? Did you want to ride a donkey for two days at that point? No. No. That probably didn't go over well. And then they arrive at Bethlehem, and all the hotels are full. I can imagine the conversations that took place then. Why didn't you get on Expedia and book a room? You knew we were coming to Bethlehem. Come on, Mary, I worked it out here. We got a cave back here. This will be great. There's a manger. You know, something tells me that given all the circumstances, they were not sitting there singing, away in a manger. It was a tension-filled moment. There was a lot going on in Joseph's life. And I, and I can't help but think that at some point during the labor and during the journey and during all this, Joseph had to say to himself, this is not what I signed up for. This was not my plan. Has God ever called you to something that you didn't sign up for? This wasn't my plan. God ever called you to a situation like that? I won't embarrass you. God ever called you to something you didn't sign up for? Yeah. He's called me to some things like that. I think of Joseph hanging out in his technicolor dream coat, being a young son, good son, good young man. Then his brothers sell him into slavery. That works out pretty well for him. He gets a good job working in Potiphar's house. He's doing well. And then he gets accused of rape. So he's thrown into prison to rot. And he didn't do it, by the way. He gets accused of rape. He's thrown into prison to rot does not know what the future holds. I can't help but think that some of those nights there in the dungeon as the rats ran around, that he had to say to himself, this is not what I signed up for. But God had plans for the young man. I think of Moses' mother, Jockey Bed. Anybody thinking about a name for a good young baby girl? Jockey Bed's available for you. So uh, Jockey Bed, Moses' mother. She gives birth to a beautiful young boy. Well, the Pharaoh of Egypt has issued this edict that all the Hebrew boys are to be killed, thrown into the Nile River. So she hides her baby, and she hides him for as long as she possibly can, and she reaches that point where she realizes, I can no longer hide this child, so she puts him in a basket and sends him down the Nile River. Now, moms, think about that. How hard did that have to be for Jockeybed to put her baby in a basket and send him down the Nile River, not knowing what was going to happen to him? Pharaoh's daughter 
finds the baby. She decides to raise the baby as her own. And you may never have thought about this part of the story, but the very man that was trying to kill the child became grandpa to the child. I imagine Jockey Bed had to say to herself, this is not what I signed up for. But God had plans for the boy. I think of Ruth. She was a young woman, married. Her husband dies tragically. She goes through the grief of losing her husband. Then she finds herself in a famine. She nearly starves to death. Eventually, she moves to a new country with her mother-in-law. She, goes to a, she immigrates to a new land. She doesn't know anybody. She doesn't know the customs. She's away from everything that was familiar. She had been widowed. She had nearly starved to death. Going to this new country, I would imagine there were times where she had to say to herself, this is not what I signed up for. But God had plans for her life. She was going to be part of the direct lineage of Christ. I think of Daniel. Daniel is a young man. Had the Babylonians invade his town, kill many of his neighbors, he and some of his friends were taken to Babylonia. They were slaves within the empire. Their entire identity was changed. They were away from everything that they possibly knew. Daniel remains faithful. He makes wise decisions. He's faithful to his God. He's faithful in his relationships. He's an upright man. He rises to a place of prominence within the kingdom. And then he is betrayed. He is backstabbed. And he's going to be thrown into the lion's den. Now Daniel had done everything right. He had been served a set of difficult, difficult circumstances, yet he had done everything right. And now he's facing the edge of that lion's pit, looking at Simba, staring up at him. And I imagine there were times where Daniel had to say, this is not what I signed up for. But God had plans for him. Question for you. How do you respond when God puts you in a position where you say, this is not what I signed up for? How do you respond at those moments? Well, there's several ways that we can respond. We can whine. God, God, this isn't what I wanted. Here's how I planned it. Everybody loves whining, don't you? Yeah. We can get angry. Okay, God, you've done this to me. This was not what I signed up for. You're holy. You're sovereign. All that stuff they teach me at church. Well, God, you put me in this difficult circumstance. Now I'm mad at you, and I'll show you. I'll quit giving. I'll quit learning. I'll quit serving. I'll quit doing all the things that I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, I'll show you because I'm angry at you. I'll hold back my love from you, and that'll show you, God. You can get angry at God. You become apathetic. In fact, this is the one that I probably see the most. Life circumstances hit you across the face, and so you say, okay, well, I'm not going to give up my Christianity. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to just hold back my heart. I'll go through the motions, but I won't put my heart into it. I'll just be apathetic. I'll let my soul grow numb. Or you can be faithful. So I don't understand all this. But I do believe that God is God. I do believe that he's in control. 
I don't understand it. I don't know why all this is happening, but I believe that God knows more than I know. And I believe that God has plans for me. Even though I may have done some things wrong along the way that got me to this point, I believe that all things can work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. And I'm going to trust God even though I don't know everything. I don't know, but I know. I know my God. How are you going to respond? When you're, when you're in this, I didn't sign up for this position. Well, the scriptures say in verse 22, Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. Now, verses 22 and verses 23 are basically saying all this took place because of the plan of the Lord. This was God's plan. And when Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son. And he named him Jesus. Now, none of this stuff was what Joseph planned for. But all of it was in the plan of God for Joseph's life. Could it be? Could it be? that passing through slavery and jail was part of God's plan for Joseph? Could it be that passing her son into the arms of another was part of God's plan for Jochebed? Could it be that being widowed, having to endure hardship, and immigrating to a new land was part of God's plan for Ruth? Could it be that going through the lion's den was part of God's plan for Daniel? Could it be that the agony of the cross was God's plan for his own son? Now, I'm not saying that God's plan for your life always involves suffering, okay? I'm not saying that that God's going to throw you into slavery and that tomorrow you're going to be tortured and you're going to be thrown into a lion's den. Hey, what did you learn at church today? Well, I learned that God's going to hurt me. You know, that's not what, that's not what I'm getting at. And I realize that for some of us, this is difficult because you're like, hey, you know, I was watching the televangelists late at night and they said, if I just believe in God, that I'll be healthy and wealthy and all my problems will go away. And so that's what I signed up for, and that's the Christianity I'm going after, and I'm not really into all this. I don't really understand why I'm still going through suffering and difficulty, even though I, I'm doing the right thing. And I realize that for some of you, whenever we talk about the fact that you have to be faithful even during the difficult moments of life, that that kind of presses against your image of what Christianity is supposed to be, because you have this plan, you have this vision in your mind of who God is supposed to be. I am saying that sometimes God calls us to be a part of some things that we don't envision, we don't plan for, some things that we just flat out didn't sign up for. Now, here's a question for you. How are you going to respond? How are you going to respond when God puts you in that Joseph moment? That moment where you say, I I didn't sign up for this. Are you going to whine? Are you going to get angry, clench the fist, and say, all right, God, let's go at it? You tend to lose that battle. You're just going to be apathetic. 
numb. Become that Christian that shows up periodically, hears the sermon, hears the songs, but you never really let it touch your soul. Are you going to respond in faith? Say, Lord, I don't understand it all, but I still trust you. I believe that you're God and that you have plans that I don't even know here. James chapter 1 and verse 2. It's one of my favorite passages in the New Testament. You've probably heard this before, but in this context, I want to remind you of it again. The Bible says in James 1 and verse 2, consider it a great joy. Okay, well, I'm tracking with this verse right now. Consider it a great joy. Joy to the world. What am I supposed to consider a great joy? Whenever you experience various trials, the brakes just came to a screech. I'm supposed to consider it a great joy whenever I face various trials? How is that possible? Why, why should I consider it a great joy when I go through trials? Well, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And these trials, they're, they're going to produce something within you. They're going to produce a godly endurance within your life, a godly stamina within your life. And endurance must do its complete work. Why does endurance need to do its complete work? Just give me the first quarter. I don't need all four quarters of endurance. Endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete Lacking nothing. Now, I, I will not pretend to know why you've gone through some of the hard things that you've been through. Or why it is that you're going through some of the difficult things you're going through right now. I, I'm not one of those preachers that says, well, this is the reason why this happened to you. And I'm going to speak for God on this. It's always a dangerous position to be in whenever you speak, to God, speak for God. So I'm not going to pretend that I understand all your story. I don't even understand all my story. And I've had some pain, and I've had some hardships in my life as well. I don't understand everything. But I do want to remind you that God loves you. God loves you. He's faithful. And he never calls us to understand it all. But he does call us to trust him, to be faithful. The manger is built. The animals are all in place. The shepherds have arrived, and the baby is born. The star is shining high in the sky. The nativity photographer has shown up. He's ready to take the picture. This picture is an important picture because it's going to be on Christmas cards. It's going to be out front in people's lawns. It's going to be out front in church churches. People are going to see this nativity scene for years. This is a huge picture. And so the photographer gets everybody into place. Okay, Shepherd, you come in over here. Okay, Mary, you stand. Okay, you stand right. Joseph, you take a step back from Mary. Okay, stand off her shoulder. Okay, everybody look this way. Smile. There's the nativity scene. Hardly anybody knows us, notices Joseph. Oh, there's the baby Jesus. Oh, look at the halo. The angel above him. Oh, there's Mary. Oh, there's the shepherds. Look, there's a goat. What a beautiful picture. Who notices Joseph? But there he is. Faithful. 
faithful to his wife, faithful to his stepson, faithful to his God. He didn't sign up for this. This wasn't his plan. But he was faithful. And he was faithfully right in the center of God's plan. God loves you. He's a good God. He cares about you. For God so loved the world that he gave his own son. While we were yet sinners, God demonstrated his love in this way. That Christ died for us. Let God be God. Let God be God. He knows what he's doing. Trust him. Be faithful to him. You do what's right in the eyes of God, and it'll be okay. It may not always be easy. It may go through some difficult moments. It may hurt along the way. But you do what is right in the eyes of God. You be faithful, and it'll be okay. God loves you. Let him be God. Trust him. Would you be so kind as to stand with me, please, as we bow our heads and we come to a time of commitment. The band's going to come, and they're going to lead us in worship. I want to encourage you to sing, sing from the depths of your soul. I noticed today early in the service that kind of coming off this holiday and we're maybe a little bit out of sync, and I don't know if we've really poured out our hearts to God today. And so during this time of commitment, I encourage you to sing with the band and just pour out your heart to God in worship. Sing forth the glories of his name. Make much of God. I'm here at the front. If I can pray with you about anything, it's always my honor to pray with you. If today you need to make a decision, perhaps you need to be saved. Perhaps God is calling you to be a part of this church. There's a decision that you need to make. I'll be at the front during this time of commitment. I'll be in here after the service, and I would love to talk with you and pray with you and help you in the spiritual decisions that you're being led to make today. Our altar is always open as well, and if you feel led to come and pray at the altar, I encourage you to do so. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, and Lord, we know that in this room today there are some hurts. Some of us today, Lord, walked into this door feeling pain, and some of us walk into these doors feeling the scars of yesterday's pain. We've been through things that we didn't sign up for. We've been through things that we don't know exactly why it all happened. But Lord, today we are reminded that you call us to be faithful. You call us to trust in you. To consider it a joy whenever we go through trials because we know that you are building within us endurance and that you're leading us to maturity. So help us, Father, to let you be God, to trust you. Help us to make wise decisions, to do the right thing. Lord, help us to live the life that you have called us to today. Help us, Lord, not to get caught up in living an imaginary life that doesn't exist. Help us to live our life, to live it with joy, to delight in you, to find the blessings within it. Lord, help us to trust you for tomorrow, to rest in your love, and to let you be God of all. In Jesus' name.
Amen.